Welcome to the mikvah.org podcast. The mikvah organization has been dedicated to the education and resources for Jewish family life since 1975-5735. You can support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. Thank you for your support and enjoy today's recording. Welcome back to our second storytelling hour of Mikvah and Challenging Times to Inspire the Soul. The feedback from our last class that we offered before Shavuos has been tremendous with so many people that inspired to share their own story that we are pleased to offer you a second round of storytelling this evening. The past half year has brought so many challenges to the surface in every aspect of our lives, including the holy and precious mitzvah of Mikvah. Attendants around the world have been so careful to follow numerous protocols to keep the mikvah safe for use. And Baruch Hashem, any woman in an area with a mikvah, with these protocols in place, were able to have a clean and safe place to use the mikvah. But for women who lived in areas that need to travel, COVID restrictions really brought on very difficult challenges. We heard some last time and we'll hear a few more this evening. Our first story tonight from Mrs. Tuba Chernitsky in S. John's, Newfoundland, Canada, truly inspires all of us to tap into our inner courage in dealing with whatever challenges we may face, whether it's with mikvah, mikvah and corona, or just other challenges. Let's hear it from Tuba. Hi, everybody. My name is Tuba Chernitsky, and we're on Shlachas in S. John's, Newfoundland which is an island off the eastern coast of Canada. Our closest shliach is a 21-hour drive from us with a ferry in the middle, and no, we don't ever travel like that. So mikvah's a flight away. That brought its own challenges of flying in the wintertime early in the morning and getting home 2-3 in the morning mikvah night because of our time difference. And in the summertime, it was flying out in the afternoon, sleeping over mikvah night, and coming back the next day. Sometimes it meant traveling with a tired, crutchy baby and having to prepare with them. And sometimes it meant asking the mikvah ladies to please open up the time that they're normally closed and having to rely on the fact that they would be able to do that for me. But those challenges we were ready for, those challenges were our new reality when we moved out on Shlachos to a place like we're in now. Then came COVID, and that we were not expecting or ready for. Traveling out of Newfoundland, being that we were put into lockdown, was a challenge because coming back you'd have to isolate for two weeks. Go Traveling within Canada as well, became a challenge because in Canada, different provinces had different restrictions. Some you had to go and isolate for two weeks, and if you weren't a resident, they would take you somewhere to isolate. Others wanted you to give them an address and a phone number so they can come check up on you, and if you weren't there then, you would get into big trouble. So travel within Canada was not a choice. Our only choice was a freezing cold ocean. At that time of year, it was minus 1 degrees Celsius, which is 29 degrees Fahrenheit, or, and outside, was about 45 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 6 degrees Celsius. 
it was a freezing option. As mikvah night approaches, anxiety grew. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew I was going to find a way. I asked a few people who I thought might be able to help me or may have done this in the past, and they only frightened me more. You know, we're not like the women who used to go in Russia in the cold. We're used to luxury. Someone else said to me, what happens if something happens to you in the water? Finally, I found a woman who had done this, and I asked her for the tips which she gave me. Okay, now I have some guidelines. I'm going to try this. I want to be able to fulfill our precious mitzvah of mikvah. I'm going to do this somehow. As mikvah night comes closer, anxiety grew. We spoke to Rabbanim on the phone to find out what we had to do, how we could table, how we could immerse in the ocean. And the night before I had to go, I sat down and I wrote a letter to the Lubavitch Rebbe. Rebbe, I'm writing to you like a child writes to a father. Please help me and give me a bracha that the weather should hold up so that I can keep this special mitzvah. I want to do the right thing. I knew that the weather had forecasted that it was supposed to be freezing cold and hurricane winds that day. After I rode in to the Rebbe, I felt like I had the Rebbe's bracha and knew that Hashem would help me through this. I did not look at the weather again. We went the eighth by day with the Rabbanim's permission. We're so blessed to have Rabbanim who truly care about us and really want to help us do the right thing. So, mikvah day comes. I'm going the eighth by day. We wake up in the morning and it's sunny, but cold, but it's sunny. I'm starting to see the brachis coming true. We get into the car and we start to drive towards the beach. All of a sudden it starts to hail. I looked at my husband. I said, what in the world are we going to do? He said, Tuba, don't worry. It's just Hashem's way of making sure that nobody else is on the beach. We get to the beach, and sure enough, the, weather, the hail slows down. It stops. The sun pokes out again, and we start walking towards the ocean. I get ready, and as I'm about to walk into the water, the first wave hits me. It was like walking into an icebox. It was freezing cold. I jumped back. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I can't get into the water, I said to my husband. My husband, being so patient and caring, said, I'm going to call a rav and find out if there's any other ways that we can do this. He called the rav. The rav gave him different guidelines of what exactly we had to do and I start getting ready to go back in. All of a sudden we see our community member show up on the isolated beach, which is not common for here because our community is so small. We wait, the wind's picking up, it's cold, and we wait for them to leave. When they finally leave, I hurriedly get ready. I'm not gonna wait for someone else to show up. And so we quickly get ready to go in. I daven to Hashem. Hashem, please let me keep this special mitzvah. I want to do the right thing. I get ready. 
I start running into the water. I plunge. It's so cold. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I keep telling myself, Hashem's going to give me the strength to do this. I run in. I plunge. I'm getting there. I keep telling myself, it's one more minute and I'll be out. As I'm there, I'm about to get covered. Just duck a little more. The wave will cover you. And Baruch Hashem, the wave crushes over me. I'm covered. I'm covered. I come running out, crawling out as fast as I could. Grab my down coat that you hardly ever use in Newfoundland. Put it on with my teeth chattering and my heart racing so fast, I make the bracha. I did it. We're starting to walk back to the car. Those two minutes to the car felt like forever. But as we get into the car and my husband turns on the heat and I start to warm up, I realize I did it. I was able to keep the special mitzvah of mikvah. Each one of us has our challenges now. Whether it's not using our luxurious mikvahs that we're used to, whether it's preparing at home with kids banging on our doors, or many other challenges that we each have during this hard time. But before our neshamas, before our souls came down into this world, Hashem showed them the challenges that each one of us was going to fall, go through. And the Neshamites, our souls agreed that we had the power to overcome these challenges. Yes, you and me have the power to overcome the challenges that are coming our way and keep this precious mitzvah of mikvah. And through that, may we be zeichah, may we merit to the ultimate redemption with Mashiach coming now. Hi, so I just wanted to say a postscript to my story that as much as I wish I could say that, you know, it was a one-time story and now everything is amazing and everything is great, it's unfortunately not as easy as it sounded. Um, and, you know, each time I have to do it, it's a whole struggle of building yourself up and the fear of it and knowing that, yes, I'm going to do this special mitzvah, even though it's a challenge. But at the same point of time, there's that fear and that, there's that worry and there's that building yourself up and that encouraging yourself and that do I have really have the strength to do this another time and another time. So we should all just be now that we should be the end of all this struggling and challenges with this specific mitzvah. Thank you, Tuba, for that inspirational story. With winter coming and the ocean getting colder and colder, Tuba and her husband are now trying to raise funds to build a mikvah on their island. You can message me and I will forward you the direct link to contribute to their campaign. Continuing with inspiring stories, specifically during this corona period, we will now hear from Devora Abenatar, who found herself in a little village. It's called General Pico in the state of La Pampa in Argentina with her family, with absolutely no access to the mikvah or the ocean. She spent numerous summers there with her husband as Sheikhet, um, but she's always able to bus back to Buenos Aires for the mikvah. But this year, with COVID restrictions in place, restricting travel, she couldn't get to Buenos Aires. What should she do? She and her family had the incredible schus and the experience of building a small but kosher mikvah right in their backyard. Let's watch as she gives us a little tour. Hi, my name is Vara Benakar. 
I am from Buenos Aires, Argentina. My husband works as a shoike, and he travels a lot. Every Friday, he has to travel about seven hours to go back home, and then Sunday night, he would go back to La Pampa, the place that he works. Because of the virus, the schools were closed, and children didn't have to go to school, so we decided to be all together. We didn't know how long we would stay in La Pampa. We packed, we filled the car with all we, we could, and then we went to La Pampa. We were in quarantine in a, in a place that the police department appointed, and then we rent a nice house, that nice well, house. Here in La Pampa, we have a group of people that are far away from their wives, and we are two families. The town is a small town, and the town was closed. Nobody can come in, nobody can go out from the town. Because here there is no sick person, so they don't allow anyone to go to Buenos Aires or any other place. If you try to go, either you would have problem to come back, or you would have to be 14 days in quarantine. So because of that, we have a problem. How would you do with the mikveh? So we decided that we would build a mikveh in our house. Well, here in the back of the house, we found this little building. So we decided to do the mikveh here. We had to be very careful. We were very concerned that the mikveh would be as simple as possible. We made out of cement and waterproof paint, but we were very concerned that the mikveh would be kosher. So we asked a rabbi and, and my husband taught, uh, got lessons. He had to explain everything how it would work so the rain that would come from the roof and go to here and then enter the building we had to draw every detail we have to write every measure and we had to take picture of every step we made let's go inside well we didn't make it on the ground we made it up high because we wanted to make sure that the mikveh wouldn't link and that would be a perfect keli. And here it is. My kids painted and it was a very, very nice experience with my family. We are all together and we had this amazing experience uh, even in the time that we have difficult times. That is truly resourceful. And with the whole family involved in the waterproof painting, what a tremendous chinuch lesson for her children as well on the importance of mikvah. Next, we will hear from Mrs. Miriam Belovic, who runs the Grove Street Mikvah, who had a recent incident in her mikvah that caused uncomfortable conditions. Hearing how the woman in her community chose to disregard that inconvenience in order to be able to use the mikvah that they were comfortable with um, really can inspire us all. So let's hear from Miriam. 
Hi, my name is Miriam Belovic. I run a community mikvah in Cedarhurst, New York. It's a pretty big mikvah, Baruch Hashem. And a couple weeks back, we had an incident here that you know I'd like to share with you. On a Friday morning, I find out that a few blocks away from here, a squirrel chewed through some electrical wires and caused a massive power surge in the area, which destroyed our boilers here in the mikvah, as well as our fire alarm system. We quickly sprung into action and you know, called the plumbers and the electricians to try and see what we could do. And unfortunately, there was nothing they could do on Arab Shabbos. There were parts that needed to be ordered and this was all during Corona. So stores were not open, people were not open, and it was just not something that was gonna come together for us, unfortunately, till after the weekend. So I had to call all the women that were scheduled for Friday night and for Matzah Shabbos and let them all know that unfortunately the mikvah waters were not going to be heated. And for Friday night, it wasn't going to be so terrible because, you know, they had just gone off that morning. But as the hours went on, it was just going to get colder and colder and colder. So originally the board members told me, just shut down the mikvah. It is what it is. There are other mikvahs in town, Baruch Hashem, and leave it. And I said, you know what? There's no reason why we shouldn't be open if somebody wants to come here. For whatever reason, with everything that's going on in the world, with corona and people who have you know, anxieties and issues, if somebody wants to come here, we're going to be open for them. So I called every single person. And mind you, we could have anywhere between 25 and 50 ladies a night. So I took the time and called every single woman who had an appointment and told them the situation and gave them the option to cancel their appointment and go to another mikvah. And I did this again on Sunday, and I did it again on Monday. And I was blown away by the response that I got. I really assumed we'd maybe have a handful of people that decided to stay, you know, and come to our particular mikvah. But the honest truth was that the majority of the women just said like, oh, you know what, it's not a big deal. or oh, this is just another way Hashem's testing us, or this is not like, you know, our ancestors had to do in Russia and pick the ice. Like, it's not such a big deal. I'd rather just come and leave it at that. And I was really, really amazed by the incredible response that the women here had. They just kind of, you know, took it, shrugged it off and said, like, we're just going to do what we have to do. It's not such a big deal. And, you know, a few of the women who came were like, oh, it's a little bit colder than I expected. But the majority of the women were like, they were expecting so much worse. And they just were like, you know, it's really not such a big deal. And for me personally, it was like a huge eye-opening. Like, I don't know if I would have done that if I had the choice to go to another mikvah. I was truly amazed and inspired. And every woman who came here, like the staff was just like, you're amazing, you're incredible. It's really unbelievable what you're doing. And it was just such a pick-me-up for the staff, for myself, for the women of the community to just really have this inspiring feel towards mikvah when it was kind of, you know, things were really difficult and really hard with, you know, corona and all of those things going on. So it was just really incredible to see. Thank you, Miriam. Even in Tushin Pei 2020, we can deal with cold McVeighs. Next, we will hear from Razy Mendelson. Razy lives deep in nature in Wyoming, a far drive from any mikvah, and always has interesting experiences with mikvah to share. 
Today, she specifically shares with us a very recent Corona era experience involving another woman. Let's hear from Razie. My name is Razie Mendelson, and I'm on Shluchas in Jackson Hall, Wyoming. I'm gonna share with you a Corona mikvah story. It's actually a story that I haven't yet shared in any of my mikvah speeches around the world, for it happened last night. So there was a tourist visiting who came to us for two Shabbosim. And on her first Shabbos uh, by us, after spending many hours together, she in, in uh, private told me that during this whole corona situation, her anxiety levels had gone way up with, uh, in regards to mikvah, and she actually had not used the mikvah in four months. But being here in Wyoming, she really felt inspired. She needed the mikvah in the next eight or nine days, and she wanted to do it right. She wanted to do it. I was thrilled to be able to help her out, gave her some badika cloths, gave her a little um, reader's digest about the mikvah and all the um, halachas that are, um, you know, small details um, to go over it. And I made up that I would take her first. I told her so clearly that I don't recommend using nature. We don't yet have a mikvah here in Wyoming. And so I recommend that she does what I do. I either drive or fly to Bozeman, Montana or Salt Lake City, Utah. Bozeman is a five hour, Bozeman and Salt Lake City are five hour drive in each direction or an expensive plane ride. She told me that it wasn't possible. She was not gonna be able to do that. She was ready to brave nature. I assured her that I'd be there for her in any way I could, although I highly really didn't recommend it. In the meantime, I started doing some research on local places. The lakes by us are so freezing cold, I knew it would be way too difficult. So we have a place called Kelly Warm Springs. Kelly Warm Springs is not a hot spring. It's got, um, it's water that comes up literally right out of the ground into a pool. The water is about 80 degrees. Body temperature is 98.6, so almost 20 degrees colder than that. It's, it's okay, it's not freezing. And, um, but because of the temperature, it ends up being so filled with moss and seaweed and everything else. Um, while doing research in order to figure out exactly how it was made and where the water comes in order to call a rub and make sure that it was an okay, permissible mikvah, I was uh, found online um, some articles from 2016 that said that there were some brain-eating amoebas found in Kelly Warm Springs. That didn't sound too good. So, but those were from 2016. So I tried my luck and I called the Chamber of Commerce and I spoke to a guy who happened to have worked for the park, Yellowstone National Park, and was a, um, used to be a biologist who did research on salamanders in Kelly Warm Springs. So he reassured me that A, I do not have to worry about this amoeba. It's not an issue anymore. But what he told me about his research on salamanders made me realize that there are salamanders in there. Who knows what else? After speaking to another few people and getting the okay that it was safe for somebody to soak in, I told the woman that I would be there to pick her up and we would drive together. So last night, I went to pick her up from her hotel and we drove out. Now, of course, as soon as we leave town, you enter the Wyoming wilderness where there's no cell reception, no Wi-Fi, Waze doesn't work, 
and Kelly Warm Springs doesn't have any clear signage out. So after making quite a few wrong turns trying to find the place, we finally found it. Now I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. And about 10 years ago, I tried taking a woman to Kelly Warm Springs too. But that mikvah trip didn't end with such a success as when we, because when we got out of our car and walked across the street to the warm spring, there was an enormous bison standing at the edge of the river. A bison is from the buffalo family and it weighs about 1,500 pounds with an eyeball the size of my head. And every step that the woman that I had taken then and I walked towards the water, the bison stared us down and some trump trumpeter swans in the water let out this huge honking sound that set up, sent us 10 feet in reverse. We waited and waited, hoping that the bison would figure out something else to do with its time. But after two hours of waiting, we realized that this bison had literally all night to just sit around. And we admitted defeat. The woman got into her car and drove five hours to Salt Lake City. So this time when we parked at Kelly Warm Springs, we were relieved to not see any animals. However, we had a different obstacle. There was a young couple right at the edge of the water. Hmm. We were wondering how we were gonna get about around this. So we decided to walk to the river edge and start making some small talk with the couple. I asked the couple how warm the water was and they responded, oh, you can't touch it. There's E. coli in the water. And at that point, this woman looked at me with this sheer fear on her face. I reassured her that I had done all this research and it was okay, while silently really praying that this was the right thing, that she would be okay, knowing that if she didn't go to this evening, she probably would not go. We um, continued walking around the water, searching for a place that there wasn't like 10 feet of floating algae or seaweed to go into before getting into the clear waters. And by a miracle, we came across an area where literally everything stopped and you could step straight into the clear water. Miracle one. Then we turned around and miracle two, the couple decided that they were gonna leave. Great, well, almost. They started walking back up to their car, which we could see in full view, about 20 feet up in the parking lot. They got into their car, but their car didn't pull away. They just sat in the car. At that point, I realized that having her walk in to the waters, not dressed, um, with people sitting in a car above would not be so appropriate. So although I had arrived not planning on entering the water, planning on standing at the shore, I realized that the only way to really be able to accommodate her would be for me to go in, follow right behind her, and hold up a big towel so that nobody could see her. So we walked in together, her a little more ready for this. I also recommended that she wore the dress that she was wearing and her tuchel, and that way I would just hold it for her um, in the water. And so I followed her. Um, ready as soon as she uh, we got an, uh, deep enough in the water was about to my upper thighs she handed me her dress and her tuchel and I held the robe uh, big robe towel in front of her so nobody from the parking lot could see anything it took about 10 tries for her to get three kosher dips and but Baruch Hashem she succeeded it wasn't easy it was really challenging she succeeded and then 
Um, quickly, I put the robe around her and as we were walking back, I tripped on some rocks and out from my hands fell her clothes and her tichel that she was meant to be changing back to in the car, as well as myself at this point, forget it, I was soaked. We got back to the car, thankfully, she had titled and more thankfully she felt the whole um, experience was inspirational and really beautiful so Baruch Hashem, i know that this time of corona is a difficult time this woman afterwards said you know it was so crazy i live in a place with a magnificent majestic mikvah but i was so nervous to go sometimes maybe when you're outside and everything else is outside of your comfort zone maybe that's what pushed her whatever it was I know it's a tough time. May Hashem give you the strength, the ability to do this incredible, beautiful mitzvah and um, Hashem should bless you with everything that you need in your lives. Thank you, Razi. That was so beautiful that the woman, after four months of corona anxiety, was able to find the inner strength to go to mikvah. What a great schuss for you to be a part of that to happen. Next, we will hear from Mrs. Sterna Altois, a teacher in Sydney, Australia, who will share two inspiring stories of women going to mikvah, despite initial resistance and the joy and the brachas that they felt afterwards. Hi, my name is Sterni Althaus. I'm from Sydney, Australia. I'm a Kala teacher, and I'd like to share a couple of inspiring stories that occurred uh, in the last 25 years living here with some amazing women who've taken on the mitzvah in some very challenging ways and Kala Kavad to those ladies. And I really feel that their inspirational stories uh, brought down many brachas and might be an inspiration to someone else. So I'd like to share. Um, Recently, a girl contacted me. She's from Eretz Yisrael, and the Basin asked me to teach her before she went back to Eretz Yisrael to get married and to write a letter to the Misrad, to the rabbinate, that everything was fine and that she learned and that she knew what to do. So the girl contacted me and she said, do you mind if I just pay you and you sign the form and everything's fine? And I said, I'm really sorry, but it doesn't work that way. I really want to meet you even just for an hour and a half to two hours. And then you'll tell me how you feel afterwards. She's like, well, I really don't want to do this. I'm just doing it because I have to. I don't believe in it. Even though my grandparents uh, have connections with Yiddishkeit, my parents don't. And I just don't believe in it. I said, please come. Let's talk and we'll see. So she came in a little bit belligerent and not interested. She just really wanted me to get it over and done with. But towards the end of the presentation, she looked at me, she had tears in her eyes and she said, I wanna have a kosher chuppah, I wanna have a kosher mikvah, and I wanna have healthy, holy children. I'm gonna go through with this and thank you so much for encouraging me to come. And that was such an inspiring story to me because from the minute she walked in with such an attitude to the minute she walked out with such an excitement and tears in her eyes, I mamish felt like the Rebbe was with me and that the Rebbe was giving me the right words for this young lady. The second Hi, this story I want to share happened in Sydney. I went to visit a Sheitelmacher who came from Borough Park. She used to go to Beis Yaakov, but no longer identified with from Jewish life. I decided to ask her one day if she would consider to go to the mikvah, as I knew she very much wanted to have a child. She said she would think about it, because actually her mother from Borough Park had contacted her and asked her if she wanted to go to the mikvah. This young girl had been very inspired 
during her time in Beis Yaakov to wash Negelwasser, and that was one mitzvah she continued to do because she felt it washed away the negative energy from the day before. On that note, I explained to her the whole purpose of the mikvah and the idea of bringing a child down, Bakdusha Vatahara, to bring a pure neshama into this world. She said she would think about it. A few months later, the mikvah lady contacted me to say, you'd be really, really proud to know that this girl came to the mikvah. What a surprise it was, because she had never got back to me to let me know that she was actually going. A couple of months later, I heard the good news that she had a baby. And when I contacted her, she said, I just want to thank you so much for giving me the impetus to go to the mikvah so that my daughter could be born, Bhaktushavatara. From here we learn never to be shy, to share what's in our heart. If it's a positive thing, if it's a good thing, say it in the best way and Hashem will give you the right words to inspire the person to take the mitzvah. We really have to talk and share this mitzvah around. Thank you, Sterna, for those two wonderful stories. Next, we will hear from Mrs. Luana Fruchter from Montreal, Canada, who shares how mikvah has brought blessings to her personal life. Hi, my name is Luana, and I'd just like to share a story about something that happened to me um, a few years ago and um, about the power of mikvah, which I truly believe was a wonderful experience which helped me in my life. So going back um, a couple years, two years to be exact, I was having trouble with my daughter and uh, we weren't getting along. And uh, I think she was in a very difficult place in her life and she was taking it out on me, her mother. And um, I confided in a very close friend who encouraged me to go to the mikvah. And to be honest, I, I really was grasping for help and I said, okay, I'm gonna go to the mikvah. And I have to tell you that it was a very beautiful and meaningful experience to go there and to, and to be so closely connected to Hashem. And I, I, really, I really came out of there with a very, very, um, heartfelt appreciation for having gone to the mikvah. So um, fast forward two years, my, my daughter and I are in a very good place today. And I think that the power of prayer, the power of mikvah, and keeping um, the Jewish traditions alive are so important. We, we as women have to look out for each other. And I encourage everyone to go and to experience the mikvah and I'm very thankful that my daughter and I are in a good place today. Thank you Luana for sharing your story with us. In our last storytelling Mrs. Henya Lane shared amazing stories of her mother's mysterious nefesh in Russia for mikvah. Today she returns to share with us the inspiration and the power to share the mitzvah with others and help them tap into the brachas fulfilling that this mitzvah brings to our lives. So my name is Hanya Lane, and I have another story about uh, mikvah. It's a more recent story, and I think you'd appreciate it because this really touches on a lot of people who become from. So after the birth of my third child, I put on 20 pounds. It may not be a lot, but it was making me very upset, and there was no way that I could lose the weight. So I decided I was going to go to OA. 
So I go to away and I'm um, sitting over there. It was in Mill Basin, the closest to my house. And these women come up and one says, um, I just lost 200 pounds. Another one says, she, I lost 150 pounds and I've kept it off for such a long time. And this one lost 100 pounds. And I'm like, what does that have to do with me? I just lose like 20 pounds. I mean, I put on a few pounds, you know. Finally, this young lady gets up and she says, well, what should I tell you? I, I'm not competing with the other ladies, but I'm very happy to tell you that I just lost 20 pounds. So after the meeting, I ran over to her and I said, excuse me, excuse me, but I really want to lose 20 pounds. Could you sponsor me? So it was like that. You became the baby and they sponsored you. So I said, could you sponsor me? And she said, yeah, why not? But you know, you have to call me every day and give me your menu. I said, okay, fine. So we, uh, we call her. She's a Jewish girl. And uh, she says to me, well, why can't you eat this? Why can't you eat that? I said to her, I'm kosher. I'm glad kosher. I'm chal Yisrael. I'm bishal Yisrael. She know what I was talking about. Finally... After a while, I'm giving her the menu, but more than the menu, I'm telling her all about Yiddishkeit. She gets very excited. She said, you know what? I really like this. Tell me, um, what do I do? I'm married to my husband. He's a dentist, and he's really not interested in anything. How do I get him interested? Because I love this. So I found out that Rabbi Majeski was giving a Chabura class in, the, in Mill Basin. And I said, if you can get him to one of his classes, he'll be hooked. Anyway... Bina Yaseira Nital Isha, this beautiful lady, got him to a class and he was hooked. Not only that, he started to become Frum quicker than her. Anyway, finally, Baruch Hashem, they both become Frum and I teach her the laws of Tarasa Mishpacha. So in the middle, when I taught her about the, the halachas and everything, she starts to cry. I'm like, what's the matter? I mean, you know, you can start keeping. She says, no, you don't understand. When I got married, I had an Orthodox wedding. And I said to the um, rabbi, do me a favor. I want to do everything right. Give me an Orthodox uh, chuppah. So I went around the chassan seven times. I carried the licht, the candles. I, um, I, I did everything right. I, I covered my face, was covered with a veil. I never heard about mikveh. He never told me anything about mikveh. I'm so upset. Could you imagine I have a child without mikveh? And here I thought I did everything right. And she pushed couldn't stop crying. So I'm like, Oy vey, why don't you ask the rabbi why he did this? And by the way, I said, you know what? Why don't you write to the rabbi and ask him what to do? So she um, calls this rabbi and she asks him, he said, I told you to do everything kosher. I mean, like Jewish, religious. Why don't you tell me about mikveh? So he said, well, you didn't look the type. She said, I don't remember asking you if you have to be a type or not. At any rate, um, she asked the Rebbe, and the Rebbe answered her that the first time you go to mikvah, it'll be retroactive. It'll be retroactive. She was so excited. Let me tell you something, ladies. Her son is a shliach in California. He's a fabulous, fabulous shliach. Definitely a pure neshama. Thank you. The following two women will share an interactive storytelling. Mrs. Natanya Lincoln and Mrs. Amanda Spira will share how Mrs. Seema Paris of Montreal encouraged them to share the mitzvah with others and the incredible results that this brought to their circle of friends. Hi, my name is Natanya. Um, I've known Seema Paris for about seven years. And uh, when I was married for about two years and had been, you know, trying to start a family. 
and nothing was really working for us. Um, there was no medical issues. Uh, so Seema one day suggested to me to host a class in my home, uh, a women's class about mikvah. And I thought to myself, like, you know, I already keep the laws of family purity. I already know about mikvah. Like, I'm not really sure what I'm going to gain out of this, but okay, fine. I have nothing to lose. So I said, okay, I organized a class. I had, um, about, I think we were about 10, um, women that night and, um, it was Amanda who came over and gave us this class on mikvah. The part of the story that Natanya doesn't know is that Mrs. Paris called me the night before and asked me to share with all these women the special power of this mitzvah. It wasn't something I was comfortable with. I wasn't prepared, but Mrs. Paris was very persistent. She even made a promise to me that if I were to do this, I'd be blessed with a child. At that point, I had one beautiful miracle child just after going through treatments for cancer. I needed all the blessings in the world for my second child that wasn't coming as easy. So I took the challenge, I went, I showed up, it was freezing cold, there was nowhere to park. I walked in with a big pit in my stomach, but I sat there, I took a deep breath, and I really just shared everything I knew at that point about the mikvah, all the inspiration, all the miraculous stories I've heard, all the blessings it brought into my home and everything it's done for my marriage. And after that event, so much good came out of it. I met such wonderful people that till this day, I still am in contact with. And after that event, I was blessed with a child. And it just made me realize the power of one, the power of believing in yourself, realizing that we're all messengers from Hashem. And I'm so grateful to Mrs. Paris that she really pushed me out of my comfort zone to do what I needed to do. And Baruch Hashem, today I'm a color teacher and I'm so passionate about sharing about the mikvah. And since then, so many beautiful stories have continued to come out of sharing about the mikvah. Little did I know that class was actually the start of something very special. All my friends that night were incredibly inspired um, and they learned about mikvah and they learned to think about it in a way that they had never really thought about it before. Um, they have all since then been blessed with children and I myself have since been blessed with three beautiful children I'm so grateful for them and it all started that night uh, and since then I have held other multiple classes in my home um, Amanda and Seema both inspired me to continue to want to open my home and hold classes here and um, hopefully that inspires more women to um, understand the true meaning of the mikvah. Thank you, Natanya and Amanda. Wow, it's really special how sharing this mitzvah with others really brings brachas to ourselves. I'd like to thank all the very special women we heard from tonight on the power of mikvah observance. I hope that these stories continue to inspire women around the world in keeping this mitzvah despite current challenges and to share this mitzvah with the women around us allowing them to bring these brachas into their lives as well. If these stories have inspired you to share a story of your own, please share them with us by emailing crifkin at mikvah.org or messaging 732-534-2948. I'd like to encourage you to follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, mikvah.org, on Instagram, at mymikvah, uh, and we have a WhatsApp broadcast where you can message 732-534-2948 and be added. 
This storytelling hour concludes our summer halacha series. If you would like to catch up on any of the recordings that we offered uh, during the corona period and through the summer, they are all online at mikvah.org forward slash media. We hope you enjoyed tonight's event and we look forward to offering continued services in the future. Thank you so much for joining us. Good night.